Something I'm going to make sure we do in the future is record a record rodeo every month. Because as soon as we fall behind and we miss out a month, we have to catch up. And there's so many fucking records we have to talk about in this one episode. Ooh, boy. This, uh, this should be fun. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Talking Music Podcast, where we, you guessed it, talk about music. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about a lot of music, a lot of fucking music, because we should have recorded a record rodeo for the month of February, but we didn't, for whatever reason, we didn't. And now we have a chance to record one for March. But there were so many good records in February that we have to talk about those as well. So we're going to be doing a two-month <laughs> retrospective in this episode of Record Rodeo. There's a lot of fucking records. There's a lot of albums. I've listened to a lot of music these past two months, and I want to talk about all of them. Some of them are really bad. Some of them are really, really good. But I want to talk about them. I want to give each of them their fair share. Each of them their fair share of the spotlight. Because it's only fair. And I'm sure Connor has a fair amount of records he wants to talk about as well. So, if you're struggling for recommendations, this is the episode for you. So, we're going to be talking about the new Shoo Shoo record. The new Ariana Grande record. The new Solange record. And some oldies as well. I've listened to a lot of classic records these past two months. Some have absolutely blown my socks off. And I just want to talk about them in this episode. So, without further ado, let's get into what I thought were some really bad albums. Or just some really, really underwhelming albums. I'm going to blitzkrieg through these because I have not much to say about them. And I just want to get them out the way as soon as possible. So, kicking things off, we have Happy in the Hollow by Toy. I literally don't remember a single song from this. It it was boring. Uh, the next, we have Twilight Sad with It Won't Be Like This All The Time. I can remember a bit of some songs here and there from this record. Some catchy hooks. Pretty well produced, but it's, it, it's generic post-punk revival cure worship. Like it's, it's whatever. Then we have Swallow the Sun with When a Shadow Is Forced Into the Light. I thought this was quite decent. Uh, it's very Aglock inspired. It's very theatrical, symphonic, um, and epic. And it's a good, moody metal album. Is it a little bit too campy for my taste? Absolutely. Uh, a little bit too clean for my taste? Absolutely. So it's a decent record. It's a decent mood album. Didn't really do too much for me, unfortunately. Then we have Sarah Louise with Nighttime Birds and Morning Stars. This has been getting some pretty good reviews from what I've seen on mainly on radio music. Uh, and this is a pretty decent record. It's very atmospheric, ambient, gorgeous to listen to. Some of the co compositions on it are really pretty. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of what Julia Holter was doing on Avery last year. Uh, but for me, it's just a little bit forgettable, a little bit bloated, 
even though it's quite concise and compressed in terms of length and ambition, it it's kind of yeah, feels a little bit too sparse for my taste. I couldn't really grab onto anything tangible. Um which is a personal preference. I, I know for a fact that Connor really likes this record and he's probably gonna talk about it more in depth during his half a record rodeo. But for me personally, it was okay. It was pretty decent. And I also listened to Spielberg's with This Is Not The End. Fuck me. This is some generic fucking dime a dozen in the emo rock. Ooh. I don't know why I listened to this. I, I think it had a decent album cover. And uh, I was intrigued by that alone. I was like, ooh, okay. I'll check that out. And, ooh, no. No, 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 no. This was a bad idea. I didn't like this at all. Then we have Angelo the Augustine with Tomb. And this, oh my god, I was quite looking forward to this, considering Angelo is on Asthmatic Kitty Records, which is Sufjan Stevens' label, or like the label closely related to Sufjan Stevens. And I can see why he's on that label, because this album is basically a copycat of everything Sufjan was doing on Carrie and Lowell and The Age of Arts. This is <laughs> such a ripoff of Sufjan's sound. It just feels so watered down and bland in comparison. Big fat shame with that one. And then we're now actually getting into the somewhat pretty good stuff. The the meaty stuff here. So I listened to Lean Year by Lean Year. And the reason I listened to this record, this came out in 2017, and the reason I listened to this record is because it is a duo made up of uh, some person I've forgotten the name of, but it's also made up of Rick Alverson, who has fronted the bands Drunk and Sparking. And if you've tuned into the last episode of Rate Your Hate, you'll know that Mr. Rick Alverson and with Sparking have produced some of my favorite records of all time. Sparking is an amazing band. Proud Graduates is an amazing masterpiece of an album. And the rest of the discography is incredible. So, considering the length of time Rick Alverson has spent without making music, so the last Sparkane album was in 2007, this new linear record was in 2017, there were definitely high expectations going into this record as soon as I learned about it. And I have to say, I'm not disappointed. It's a very good record. It has the hallmarks of a Rick Alverson project with the slow, patient grooves and the tight bittersweet melodies uh, specifically on the songs Come and See uh, Erna and uh, Watch Me um, Waterloo Sons as well, gorgeous song um, there's a lot of beautiful, beautiful songs on here the thing that's holding it back for me is the production everything on here feels very very artificial and very fake and just glossy Everything Rick Alverson did with Drunk and Spokane felt very real, organic, almost acoustic. And everything on here just reeks of digital processing and digital production. Uh, everything that made those Spokane records and Drunk records so special and so warm sounding are just completely stripped away on this record, unfortunately. So while there are some good songs in here, while I do get a bit of enjoyment out of the record as a whole, it's very short as well, it's only like 30 minutes, 
it just feels very flaccid. It feels very obscured by its own production, which is a shame because, like I said, there's some really good songs on it, but it's just marred by some really artificial sounding music. Like the violins, especially, just sound so tinny and flat. It's a real shame, but it's a decent record. Next, I want to talk about the new Sun Kill Moon record. I also want to die in New Orleans which was named after the album by Suicide Boys, I Want to Die in New Orleans. The album, this new Sun Kill Moon album, was originally just going to be called Mark Kozilek or Sun Kill Moon with these players, like Jim White, I think was one person, and someone else. It was just going to be a very bog-standard name. And then Mark saw the name of this new Suicide Boys record. He thought it would be funny to rename the record, I Also Want to Die in New Orleans. And I, I don't see why he did that. It makes absolutely no sense. But it kind of makes sense as well. Because the record has a very heavy influence from jazz music and lounge music. And obviously New Orleans was, back in the day, quite the epicenter of most jazz music coming out at the time. So it kind of... It, I'm really stretching to make some poignant commentary on this record because although I like this record, and you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know how much I love Sunko Moon, how much I really, really loved his last record, This Is My Dinner. This Is My Dinner is fantastic. I still stand by that. It's a fantastic record. This new record, I'm very torn. I am very, very torn about because it's basically everything I like about This Is My Dinner, like the long conversational pieces, the very strung out song structures, or, you know, what song structure there is. Um, <laughs> very beautiful playing, chilled out atmosphere, uh, gorgeous instrumentals. Like, there's a lot of things to like about the record, and there are some things I absolutely love about the record. Um, the song Cows has a great groove. The song Day in America has this very gorgeous repeating saxophone throughout the song. Like, uh, which contrasts this very slow, patient, acoustic guitar melody. As Mark's rambling about the usual shtick he rambles about, like school shootings, uh, being in the studio, recording music for the new album, uh, what's on his mind, and that kind of thing. And... There's just something holding me back from loving this record. I love the aesthetic. I really admire the inclusion of saxophone on this record. It adds a whole new dimension to Mark's very loose quotations lyrics. So yeah, the inclusion of saxophone, it feels like I'm watching like this cabaret show in the 1970s. Mark is just spilling his heart out on stage. or Not not much so spilling his heart out. He doesn't really speak from the heart anymore. Uh, he's spilling out his beer belly. Right? He's speaking from his beer belly nowadays. Uh, and so, yeah, it just feels like this very dark, shadowy, very atmospheric cabaret show from a time gone by. And I like it for that. I like that aesthetic. I like that mood and that ambiance surrounding this record annoyingly 
this is the first time since Universal Themes where I felt what Mark is saying on the record, I literally do not care about. Some of these ramblings I don't feel are as meaningful or as well processed as they were on This Is My Dinner and Common As Light and Love. The, again, loose quotations, lyrics on those records, I felt had a recurring theme throughout each song. They all were based around a similar concept and a similar frame of mind. This album, across every single one of these songs, it feels like a compilation. Uh, so one song, he'd be rambling about school shootings. He'd be rambling about Bill Evans, uh, the piano player. He'd be rambling about cows, for fuck's sake. And uh, what he thinks about when he hears the word cows. Um, and it's just, the more I listen to it, the more I get a little bit fed up with it. And I don't know, maybe this is the the aura of Sunkill Moon's later records is slowly starting to wear off. Uh, the novelty of it is slowly starting to wear off. Um, I, again, I still like it. I still admire what Mark is doing with his music. I just think he needs to push forward a little bit more. He needs to innovate with what he's doing because at the minute, he is, with this record, stuck in a pattern and he needs to break that pattern and take it to a, a new level because we've we've peaked with this approach to music with Common as Lion Love, with Benji, with This Is My Dinner. This doesn't feel special anymore. And that, honestly, is the most scathing critique I can give this record. It just feels... You know, for an artist that was trailblazing, doing something completely unique that no one else was doing with this approach of songwriting, for someone like Sunkill Moon, with this approach to songwriting, this album feels very much so been here, done that. So yeah, that's my thoughts on the new Sunkill Moon record. I still like it, but you know, would it be my number two record of the year? Absolutely not. Unless the rest of the year turns out to be really, really shit in terms of new music. I don't see this region so high on my top albums of the year list. But a record I do see reaching very high up on my year-end list, is Palmistry with Behold. Now, some of you have probably never heard of Palmistry before, and that's perfectly understandable, because these guys, this is their debut record. It's five songs long, it's 30 minutes, and it's just pure, traditional, classic doom metal. And female-fronted doom metal at that. So if you like Black Sabbath, if you like Candlemas, if you like Solitude Eternus, this is well up your alley. Because fuck me, this is some damn good Doom Metal. This is just everything you can want from a Doom Revivalist band. A Doom Revivalist album in 2019. Everything here just sounds so classic. So traditional. Um, while still not falling into the trap of, you know, the same repeated motifs. The same repeated themes that the giants in the scene have already covered this still feels very urgent still feels very modern uh and i think that's mainly down to the production the vocals uh and some of the riffs on here are just awesome uh especially on the uh song in the mountains like the fucking chorus on that song very candlemas inspired but it just feels so like fresh like in the mountains 
sick. It's absolutely fucking sick. And, like, that's the thing. It's not the most original album on the planet. It's not the most innovative record in metal or in music in general. It's not the heaviest either. Like, I'd say Reverend Bazaar is a lot heavier than this. Warning are a lot heavier than this. But, like, if you just want some damn good doom metal, this is it. Palmistry. Behold. It's a very short release. It's very succinct. It doesn't overstay its welcome at all. And it's a $1 on Bandcamp, I so what's stopping you from at least listening to it once? You know, support these guys. They're underground. They're just up and coming. They're from Quebec, uh, and yeah, they're just a sick band, really sick band. Definitely some gym jams on here. That's so fucking cringe. I I apologize. I I do not go to the gym, as you can tell. The reason I don't go to the gym is because I'm too busy listening to some music. And the next record I want to talk about is the new Ariana Grande record. Thank you, next, next, thank you, next, next. I'm so fucking grateful for my ex. Thank you, next, next, thank you, next. As you can tell, I really like this album. It's really fun. It's so catchy. Holy shit. Holy shit, mate. This is so fun. Uh, like, I'm going to be talking about some really sad, epic, doomy, gloomy albums in a minute, but, like, sometimes I just want to, I just want to chill out for a little bit, I want to have some fun, and I just want to, like, sing along to, you know, some pop bops, some pop jams, and this album has them in spades, fuck, I mean, yeah, thank you, next, the title track, break up with your girlfriend, because I'm bored, it's a banging track, seven rings, Banging track, uh, NASA, banging track, Bloodline, banging fucking track. Holy shit! Ah, oh, there's so many good songs on it. In my head is a banging track too. Whew, mate, I, I really don't get the hate around this album. Like most of the hate I've seen from this record is just from pretentious knobheads saying, oh, it's not, you know, it's not of the best quality, it's, you know, the production is not that great. <laughs> it's like, shut the fuck up. Enjoy yourself. Like, why can't you just be happy for two seconds? Christ. Like, just enjoy the music. It's good, fun pop music. And, like, it's not so vapid like most of the stuff that Chainsmokers put out or most of the stuff you hear on the radio. It's it's actually good pop music. It's it's sugary, yes. It's pop, yes. But it's music, regardless. And it hits the hallmarks of great music. We don't need a different metric system for music and pop music. It's It's just music, and it's good music at that. Fun, catchy, does everything it has to do. To all the haters, I say, thank you, next. Now moving on from that, we're going to be talking about the new Shoe Shoe record, Girl with a Basket of Fruit. This shit is mad. I don't even know what to say about it. It's just insane. Like, uh, what do I say about it? I mean, everyone's kind of raving about it at the minute. Everyone has been talking about it because it's literally the most insane thing in 2019. It's probably the most insane thing we'll hear in 2019. And I, I, honestly, yeah, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about it. It's just insane. Every, you, you know why it's insane. It's shoo-shoo. Of course it's insane. 
Of course it's crazy. And I'm, I'm sure Connor's going to talk about it more in depth anyway. It's just a whirlwind of emotions and <laughs> just everything. I don't know. It's like, I'm just going to move on. It was, I'm so perplexed by it. I just, I'm lost for words on it. And that's the biggest praise I can give it. Like, I can't even review it. So moving on, I'm now going to be talking about the new Nivek record. After its own death, walking in a spiral towards the house. So Nivek, also known as Liz Harris, also known as Garupa, has put out this brand new side project, this brand new side ambient project, well, ambient drone thing. Uh, four tracks, about hour long. And this might go down as the ambient album of the year. This is truly something else. This is a beast of an ambient record. Uh, the textures and the structure here is unfathomable. Like the opening song, the uh, part one to After Its Own Death, is amazing. Holy shit. So like, it starts out with Liz Harris's very ghostly, haunting vocals that are just yearning to be heard uh, and then it just like divulges into like this sputtering drum groove this sputtering electronic uh, and then it glides into this beautiful drone this beautiful piano and everything just comes together so nicely oh my god it's so pretty um, and then that flows into part two which is just as beautiful just as gorgeous just as atmospheric uh, and then walking in spiral towards a house reuses or recycles a lot of the samples used on After Its Own Death Part 1 and 2, mainly the uh, the piano bits on uh, Part 2, uh, and recycles them to create a new piece. Uh, in a, trying to basically, I think what Liz Harris is trying to do is create this feeling of deja vu in music, and I think she's done that very well. It's kind of... First listen, well, the first couple of listens, I was very underwhelmed by the second half of this album because it's very, very familiar. It's very, oh, this is literally just the same shit uh, from the first half. But it does have a profound impact on my listening experience because I do genuinely feel like returning to the album from the start because it does cycle back in on itself. Uh, it's Yeah, it's... I can see why this is a side project for Liz Harris, because this feels very more experimental than the latest group of stuff that she'd been putting out. Uh, this definitely feels like a one-off experiment, or at least one in a series of experiments that she's going to be putting out. Uh, and I'm very excited to see what she does next, because, yeah, this is an experiment that has gone very, very well, in my opinion. There are definitely gripes out with it. Sure, the second half does drag on a little bit, uh, and it does feel a little bit too repetitive at times, but the textures, the just compositions, the atmosphere are just impeccable. And Grouper, Liz Harris, does ambient music, ambient drone music in this vein so well. It's just so, like, I can fully dissociate myself from the world when I put on a Liz Harris project. And this is definitely a highlight of 2019 so far. This will go down as one of my favourites. Definitely. And I can just see myself returning to it more and more and more as the year goes on. So Nivek, after its own death, walking in the spiral towards the house. Josh's stamp of approval.
And what also gets my stamp of approval, an even bigger stamp of approval, it's like a big giant stamp that you, it's like the size of your head. It's a giant stamp uh, for the Matt Elliott's Drinking Songs. Now, this isn't a new record. This is a record that came out in 2002, I want to say, 2002, 2003, or 2004. Early 2000s. Early 2000s. We'll, like, we'll call it that. Early 2000s. Matt Elliott released Drinking Songs. It's an hour long of dark cabaret, French jazz inspired, slowcore folk music. And I am obsessed with this record this is one of the most depressing albums you'll ever hear just it's purely vitriolic in terms of the hatred that Matt Elliott has for himself like you can just hear how much distaste he has for his own life <laughs> through his very shadowy very obscured vocals and like these these plodding piano keys gorgeous guitar strings uh and it's just so bleak i've never heard a more bleak record in my life like probably you know have a nice life death consciousness comes to mind when i think of bleak music um but like this is just so like like masochistic you know like if you're really hating yourself, if life is just treating you like a bag of doo-doo, like, this is the soundtrack. Uh, definitely check out the song Guilty Party. Definitely check out the song um, C.F. Bundy, which is the opening track to this record. From the lyrics, which are just utterly heartbreaking and just concerning, to be honest. So uh, there's a verse on the Guilty Party the very first verse on the uh, the song, actually, where Matt sings. Not really sings, he more or less cries into the microphone. He uh, he sings, And thanks for branding me a failure and for destroying what joy I had. The mantle's cracked and turning black. I found out I'm not the man that I fucking think I am. And then he ends the song with the verse, And I hope that you're dreaming of me the way I'm forced to dream of you. And so you've won. I'll get the gun because we can never undo all the stupid things we've done. Like, fuck, man. Like, holy sh- Jesus, where's your therapist, Matt? Who is your therapist? If you have one. Like, if you do have one, they're doing a terrible job. Get a refund. Because, fuck, you know. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so, like, the lyrics are just incredibly dark and just really tap into the soul of just pure depression and pure self-hatred um especially when drinking like especially in like this alcoholic stupor you find yourself at the end of the night where you're just kind of passing out on the sofa this is like where you just feel as if like the joy you had of the previous night is just slowly crashing down it's it's a really horrid feeling and this is the ultimate soundtrack to those feelings um like so not only just from like a lyrical standpoint but also from the sound and the compositions here because these are very drawn out very spacious songs like these songs go for at least seven eight minutes when the lyrics will finish around the two three minute mark but matt just carries on building the song adding new layers adding this atmosphere this swirling 
like dread around each one of these songs and that is no better exemplified on the very last song the maid we messed which is well first off it sticks out like a sore thumb because the rest of the album is this very cabaret folky dark acoustic album and then the very last song is kind of dubstep it's very electronic it's the sputtering rhythms like almost music collage in a way and it goes on for 20 minutes it's a 20 minute electronic anthem where it really makes me think of you know when you're in bed the world is spinning around you after a night out and you think of all the good memories you had where you're dancing with your friend you almost kissed that girl at the bar and where you almost pissed yourself in the bathroom or where you felt like you're just about to be sick like all these great memories and all these very hectic memories they're all just coming crashing around you at the same time it's overwhelming it's overpowering and while it is enthralling and ecstatic to feel those feelings at the same time it just weighs you down and this song is exactly that it's so overwhelming and just weighs you down so much that you just can't help but be in awe of it um it's a wonderful album so poetic and so fully realized it's truly a masterpiece it's a masterstroke of sad boy it's just depressing music i i love it fuck and like i am okay I mean, I'm I'm going through a bit of shit. Like, I'm not the happiest I could ever be right now. But like, generally speaking, I am a happy boy. And me liking this album, me being so, oh, like enthralled with what I'm hearing on this record is just a testament to how good the music is. Like, I, I'm not defining this album by the emotions portrayed on it. I'm defining this album by how it presents those emotions and the music on here and the music is amazing like the music is just fantastic like i fully swim in every single song here i can pick out something new every single time it's the concept the theme everything works so beautifully matt elliott drinking songs definitely could be picking up on vinyl at some point in the future so good so damn good and then on the flip side we're not on the flip side this is still very sad album we have 40 watt sun wider than the sky which came out in 2016 and this is a very sad album as well not as depressing or as bleak as matt elliott's drinking songs this feels a little more hopeful a little bit more cathartic and bittersweet um but this is fronted the band 40 watt sun is fronted by patrick walker who also fronted warning who have produced possibly my favorite doom album of all time uh, alongside reverend bazaar in the rectory of the bazaar reverend uh, the album watching from a distance is an amazing album not just for doom metal but just in metal sad music in general it's just a, such a compelling emotional statement um so much passion went into that album uh it's really is just a one-of-a-kind record in the metal scene and in doom metal it's unmatched in my opinion it's so damn good uh and so i was really looking forward to checking out patrick's 
other material with 40 watt sun uh and i didn't know what to expect from this record i i was i expecting more doom metal was i expecting more passionate sad vocals yes i was but what i got was basically slow core post-rock and i'm not saying that in a bad way because this is this is so good again i've been obsessed with this record i legitimately cannot stop listening to this record patrick walker is honestly becoming one of my favorite vocalists of all time like he emotes so much he puts so much weight into every single word he sings and i just like you fully believe the pain and the suffering he is going through as he sings these lyrics it's heartbreaking uh and very steady patient song structures you know the very first song on here is 16 minutes right so that that should give you an idea of like the songs you should be expecting on here like so the first song is 16 minutes the rest of the songs are roughly 9 10 11 minutes the very last song is 3 minutes but it packs so much punch like the last song marazion fuck like i've cried to that song so many times recently i i just cannot stop putting it on loop like just everything from the melody uh like the uh stop start guitars and drums uh again patrick's vocals and the lyrics as well um i don't want to name it but the pain that i never rise above i thought it the measure of my love but i've loved you more than that it's so poetic it's so true to life really and like if you're going through heartbreak if you're going through any relationship struggles like this is the record this is it um and um, me personally i'm not really going through relationship struggles i'm not really going through some serious heartbreak but i have gone through relationship struggles i have gone through heartbreak and this speaks to me in the way i wanted to be spoken to during those times um and i can definitely see this being a favorite an all-time favorite in the years to come like, I, i'm just so emotionally attached to this record right now and who knows that may change it might fall out of my listening schedule in the near future but for now like i'm unbelievably enamored with this album uh it is a very special record for me and hopefully it'll be a very special record for you uh 40 watt sun wider than the sky ah we did it We've made it to the end of all the albums I wanted to talk about. Hopefully you got some pretty neat recommendations if you haven't listened to any of these records. But don't go anywhere just yet, because even though I finished talking about the records I've been listening to throughout February and March, Connor has yet to talk about the records he's been listening to throughout February and March. So stay tuned as we switch over to Connor, switch over to the Con Boy, to find out what records he's been loving and hating for the last two months. Connor? It's over to you. Yeehaw! Yeehaw, motherfuckers. I got my gun. I got my badge. I'm the sheriff of this motherfucking town. And no one's gonna tell... Oh, shit. It's Josh. He ain't gonna let me have this. He He's the true sheriff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Welcome 
Ladies and gents, music listeners, fans of our show, to Connor's segment of the Record Rodeo, where we talk, well, for this segment, I talk about five albums that I've been listening to over the past month or so since the last one, Um, because I listen to more albums than that, but I like to give you a nice condensed five albums that maybe you should check out, or if you have checked out, you get to hear my thoughts on um, and it's really weird talking to myself because uh, everything feels a little bit more dramatic, theatrical, put on. I have no one to channel back to. So, uh, you know, shout out to, to Josh for, for, for being my, uh, my musical talking partner. You know, tends to be how podcasts go. But, you know, we, li- we like to deliver top-notch content. We like to be consistent with our content. So even when there are weeks where we can't, we can't into the, the, we 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 just don't you know schedules don't cross over then we still like to deliver a product to you so here it is have at it my five albums that i have been listening to obsessively over the last month or so album numero uno comes from none other than the velvet underground i don't know what possessed me this month to just listen to them but i uh I've never really listened to them other than Velvet Underground and Nico, the Andy Warhol album that that was made in, I think that was 1967. And when I first listened to that, I wasn't even that big of a fan of it. I think that was like three or four years ago when I was just first like getting into music. And I don't think I understand the noisiness, the, the hecticness of it, but like... Something possessed me this month to uh, check out White Light, White Heat, and I really, really enjoyed it. That album is like, it's like proto-noise rock. Like, it's the thing that kind of kicked that genre into motion, kind of proto-punk. It's really, really noisy. There's like a 17-minute long track on there, and I was just like, I am interested in this enough that I want to kind of, you know, go to go to the next album. And uh, the next album is, um, is Velvet Underground's self-titled album, which... I think is wonderful. I, I think personally it's it's my favourite of Velvet Underground's albums that I've listened to. I still have not listened to Loaded, which I've been meaning to. But yeah, I, th- I think this album is is gorgeous because the first two albums, so Velvet Underground, Nico, and then White Light, he are so noisy and eclectic and just like brash with these, these fuzzy guitars and like Lou Reed's vocals that don't sound anything like anyone else's. They're kind of like they're they're very very distinct and and lyrically though those are quite dark albums you know you look to like Sister Ray and this like ridiculous lyrics like she was sucking on my ding dong and like it, basically songs like about orgies heroin like all this dirty grimy music and then you have uh, this album which is the Velvet Underground's self-titled album from 1969. And it's so, so gorgeous. Like, there's, like, barely any fuzz on these guitars. Like, most of it is, like, clean tones. Some of it's finger-plucked. Some of it's just, like, lovely strummed, slow, slow-moving four-minute tracks that just, uh... They, they kind of, they don't even build and go anywhere. They're just really, really lovely, softly sung vocals, just... Uh, that kind of they kind of stew but they're like there's there's definitely an element of sadness within all of these songs especially uh tracks like pale blue eyes which is one of my favorite tracks of this album where it's just got that wonderful wonderful chorus and this like like almost sludgy slow um 
like clean guitars that are just so lovely to to the ears and and there's just something about this album that just kept bringing me back despite it not being the most noisy and eclectic and velvet undergroundy type album um you know there's there's so many so many good tracks on this i think i think it, it it starts off really really well with like candy says and then pale blue eyes which is my favorite but then even towards the back end when it starts to get a little bit weirder with like the murder mystery which is like this eight minute long track it's so so weird where you've got like these sort of like rolling toms and then this sort of guitar that goes and it's like almost like your stress levels are just getting higher and higher just as you're listening to this and then there's like these clash of vocals going on where you've got like one singer and Lou Reed just like kind of battling with their two different um, like lyrics just kind of like fighting for attention at the same time it's almost like a call and response apart from they're like overlapping each other and it's just such a bizarre song but like it barely even feels like eight minutes but yeah, I think like obviously if you're a fan of the Velvet Underground, you know this album well and, and you know, you, you probably do love it just as much as I do. But you know, like um it'd be interesting to know which of your guys' favourite Velvet Underground album that is uh it'd be interesting to know what, what uh which Velvet Underground album is your guys' favourites because I know a lot of people tend to teeter on, you know, uh and Nico or White Light, White Heat, but there's just something about this album that drew me back more and more, and I think it was that calm, relaxing, clean tone of this album that was just beautiful. Moving on from there, I have my second album, um, an album that I had listened to before, which is uh, Dope Throne by Electric Wizard. Something about this month, I, I wanted to come back to my Doom playlist I, I make these playlists when there are albums that I need to like uh, catch up on in certain genres. So I've got like a post-punk playlist, just you know, full of albums. I actually got the idea from Josh. I can't I can't take too much credit for that. Um, but yeah, I I just saw like I had listened to Dope Throne last year a couple of times, and I'd really really enjoyed it, but I couldn't really remember much about it. This is my problem with like doom metal and uh funeral doom and everything like that is that a lot of the times like i can't remember some of the riffs and i know blaspheme especially with this album because it's like so riff heavy and so um and so fuzzed out and disgusting but like i saw this was sat in my playlist because i forgot to ever download it to my phone and i was like oh man it's been a while so i downloaded it to my phone and i got new speakers for my birthday and this was one of the first albums i i tried out on my new speakers um and oh my god did it sound good it's so fuzzed out so so fucking gut punchingly heavy like funeralopolis or however the fuck you pronounce the second track is just so like really really just does throw you into that like sticky riff of just it it baffles me to this day how i never really got into this album i think the vocals are great like they're 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 kind of one of a kind and i and i always joke uh, especially to josh about like doom metal and stoner metal that they're, they're all just like black sabbath in disguise but as much as I obviously this this band definitely takes a lot of influence from Black Sabbath, it it you know I I can't I can't say that this album reminds me of Black Sabbath all that much. It's just its own heavy like smoky weed laden like album that just like so grr, 
I, I'm not exactly using words here, but like it's just so so noisy and grimy. You know, but it, it's not just like a, a straightforward like. 40 minute long uh, metal album with like these just heavy guitars you, you know there, there, there are things that make this album unique you know there's the, the third track like Weird Tales, Electric Frost, uh, Golgotha and I think there's another part of that tra- uh, title um, that's just fucking it starts off with like this really really heavy riff and these dirty sounding drums but then like you know it's a 15 minute long track and you think where is this gonna go I obviously do metal is slower than casual metal but it's like this as much as sludgy riffs you know there's still a pace to it it's like dun, 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 you know and um but then by the midpoint it like kind of just like fades into this weird like almost like synthy like ambient doom piece and the drums start to like slow out to like funeral doom pace and it just becomes like this um, like monolithic sludgy uh, as many doom metaphors as I can throw it like just kind of like big big song like it but it but it's great like and but I think the thing that makes this album this album is the bass is so low so detuned so heavy like my speakers can barely handle this thing like my ears hurt listening to this especially by by the time you're like an hour in or like 50 minutes into this thing your ears are just like almost thumping and like the the songs that are playing is absolutely mental how much like this this song is just like ah you know just like really really gets in your face um but yeah like honestly I, I don't know why i never downloaded it to my phone um you know, I, I I think at the time, just Doom Doom was not doing a huge amount for me. I think there's there's a lot about it that I like, and I think there's a lot of albums out there that I love. But I I think I I I enjoy the stoner elements of it to be honest. Like um, you know, I love Sleep. I love Dope Smoker as well. Like I I just there's something about that glacial pace and and just like the really thick riffs of those albums. That that just does something for me, and it just took me a while with uh, with Electric Wizard, despite the fact that it might seem catchier and you know um, more riff heavy, and it, you know just everything about it kind of seems like a little bit heavier than say like Sleep's Holy Mountain or something. But it it just took me a long time to get into, but I feel like I finally crossed that that line, and I, I feel like I'm fully into the album now. I I like it enough. I I I would buy on vinyl. I, I definitely would love to spin it on my turntable to see how the fuck my speakers would cope with that, to be honest, because at the moment it's just running through Bluetooth. But yeah, absolutely fantastic album. The next album uh, I'm going to recommend or, or sort of talk about a little bit is, is me going fully out of my comfort zone. I've always been a classic staple of one of those people that says, oh, I love everything except country music. And, uh, you know... I, I, I still I still can't say I'm like the biggest country fan and and I, I I don't know whether this album necessarily even makes me want to continue listening to country music or whether I found like a a very special one-off album but uh, I listened to Marty Robbins Gunfighter Ballads and Trail Songs and what what a what a wonderful wonderful album this is 
Um, so you know, I, I've 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 been hearing about this album for ages on PMC. You, the the album cover gets memed to shit. I, I, like I've seen it so every time there's a thread on like music memes, th- this thing pops up where it just says like Thick Marty or something. Someone's like fucking photoshopped a gun where his dick is and something like that. It, it's atrocious. But I, I knew that this was going to be an album to check out. And then, like, I remember my girlfriend put on El Paso from this album. And I was like, damn, this is a really good song. What is this? And I found out it was Marty Robbins. And I was like, I've got to check out this album. Like, because El Paso is just, like, a, a wonderful, wonderful song. And I, I think it's, uh, I think it was used in um, Three Billboards. Um, so, you know, it was, it was, it was in that. Um I, I want to say anyway. I'm I'm probably lying, um, but yeah, no, it's 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 uh it's it's fifteen tracks. Uh, two two of those tracks are El Paso. There's there's a short version and a long version, um, and and I was just like I was scared. This is a country album. There's fifteen tracks on it, but it's only forty four minutes. You know, this is a standard album length. But really, from track to track, it's just like these little ditties with like these really really lovely lyrics that are so. Um, poetic, like, with its storytelling, like, they're not heavy on, like, metaphor, they're not, like, heavy on, uh, trying to make you think about things that aren't there, it's literally telling you these stories back to front, as if you're in this western period, as if you are, like, this gunfighter, like, in this, like, the first track with Big Iron, like, where he's talking about, like, having a big gun on his hip, and he just, like, starts rattling through these stories throughout the entire album, and, uh, you know, the guitar passages are absolutely lovely, like, they remind me of, like, Spanish flamenco stuff, they remind me like stuff that you'd hear like from Mexico from Spain but like they've been like Americanized to fit with this sort of like American like western you know like wild wild west type theme with these with these stories as if they're like a John Ford movie or like a sort of Sergio Leone movie and they're, they're just really really lovely to listen to so a lot of like the backing bass and the backing drums are very like early blues type things, like sort of twelve bar blues scales. Uh, but then yeah, over the top you've got these very very like cultured guitar passages and lovely lovely plucked like it sounds like big classical Spanish guitars, lots of hammer-ons, lots and lots of like little ditties here, like everything just sounds wonderful but then to top it off like right on top you've got marty robbins voice now like listening to this album like it sounds like the voice of someone from the 50s or 40s but it's such like a wonderful voice you don't hear this type of voice very often and and i think like it's got that very very deep register and it's very very american and you know southern but it's it's just fits so well with this backing track and honestly, I, I, I can't praise this album much, like, like anymore. You know, I'm I'm someone that struggles like with with remembering a, a lot of things about songs. So I look at the track list and I don't remember what each individual song was. But I, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily the album's fault. That's more mine. Like it's it's been couple of weeks since i've listened to it and whenever i listen to an album i listen to it all in one go rather than like checking to see what song it is and then putting it back in my pocket and going oh okay that was that track 
but listening to this thing as a whole like i love it i think there's just like so many elements of storytelling like that you get from this i think the guitars are amazing the drums are great the, the backing bass is great marty robbins voice really really pushes this thing forward really really sells it and his lyrics really really like do elevate this whole thing to you know stop it from falling into like your typical country album you know it's not necessarily just like uh sort of um it, do it doesn't sound like something that would just be a hoedown or you know a banjo being played and, and and just all these cheesy cheesy country cliches you know th this thing feels something different this this feels something that I, I i could connect with as a storyteller something you know and and i think i really appreciate it for that and i think this this is an album that you know has actually allowed me to enjoy some country music for once <laughs> moving on from there though we are on our first 2019 album of this little section i, I think i've spoken about some 2019 albums already in the last episode of record rodeo uh, I listened to the new Solange album. I I had I had not listened to her previous album, uh, Seat at the Table, but I I you know like this album came out of nowhere. I think three days before it dropped, she she literally got on Twitter and was just like, yeah, album's coming out, and everyone was fucking blowing their lids because Seat at the Table was um, one of the most critically acclaimed albums of that year. People went nuts for it. Like she you know she she was she was widely talked about back in I think I want to say it was 2016, 2017, something like that. You know like across the board everybody dug that album so for her to then like drop an album out of nowhere like you know that that i would be an album that would garner a lot of hype surrounding it but you know here it is like with three days in advance i think you know that's the quickest hype people are going to have and uh after listening to the entire thing this this is a 19 tracked 39 minute long album so it's not even it's not that long but you know 19 tracks is a lot to get through this thing flies by you you won't even notice like that that like that it's 19 tracks like it, it feels like a 40 minute album sure but like you'll you'll be flying from track to track to track and in fact like i was saying this with the last album that i couldn't re necessarily remember the, the track names i definitely don't remember what's on most of these ones because you barely even get time with these tracks a lot of these are like one and a half minutes two minute long cuts where they just seamlessly blend into another i i think this is a really really good album i don't think this is great i think there's there's a lot about it that kind of reminds me of like a thundercat album and the thing that never sat right for me about thundercat album is the vocals are usually so samey and by the time you get to the back end of the album you feel like you've heard every idea that could have possibly been done and i definitely definitely felt that with this as much as the album stormed forwards and and never sort of uh slowed down it gets to a point towards the back end where you do feel like ideas have been repeated or you know it's getting a bit samey in terms of tone so as as much as that might sound confusing that on the one hand i'm saying this thing storms you know forwards but at the same time it's it's kind of like you get to that point where you're near the end you're just like I wish it was just doing a little bit more. You know, this this album is 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 kind of eclectic, uh, but it it's very very jazzy in places, very free jazzy in in places. But then it's, there's a lot of soul and R and B, 
mixing it with like you know newer trends of like trap because I think uh, there's a there's a Playboy Carti verse on here which I, I really really did not dig. I, I can't I can't be bothered to listen to his albums either. Like, um, but especially especially not you know from the the verse that he was on in this album either. Like I just can't I can't I can't dig with his voice. But there 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 are a few standout tracks that definitely you know sort of. I, I really, really dug. Uh, Dreams was one of them. A really, really smooth song. Like, just a really, really nice soul song. Uh, Dreams is a really, really smooth soul song where it's just got this very, very, very slow sort of, like, uh, piano in the background. Just the dun, 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 dun. And there's this, like, sort of, kind of... They always sound like, sound like a sort of smashed snare drum just, like, kind of happening as, like, like, a sort of trap snare happening in the background. But it's really, really smooth. Really, really lovely. So I think my favorite track off this album, though, is bins like just has this driving drum beat that's so funky this and it's just so like kind of just like gets you grooving and then like there's just this like one part that i just really really love which is the sundown wind chimes break it down one line a line can't see me no flex be kind and you just kind of like it just really really gets you in it and you just kind of like it's not a dancey song but you just want to move your shoulders to it and you just it, oh, it just i love it and I, I wish a lot of the i wish a lot of the tracks on this album had that same sort of swagger to it because it kind of dips in and out from that that really smooth slow soul sound to this really really like hypnotic groovy like drum based r&b um and I just I just wish there was there was either a little bit more consistency in its sound, um, or I just wish there was like um, you know I don't know I don't know I really don't know what I want from this album. There, there's just something that's not clicking with me as much as I'd like it to. I think this is a solid project. I just don't think it's great. I don't think it's like an eight out of ten. I think it's maybe a seven. I think it's a really really enjoyable enjoyable listen and considering that like front to back including its interludes at like 30 seconds long at a time i think this thing just like smoothly glides through the entire thing i think it's worth checking out i think if you're into solange you probably have already checked it out but maybe if you if you're not into solange you might dig on this sound and then you might feel like you want to go back and listen to our other stuff and i think that's perfectly fine i just think um there's just something that this album isn't necessarily giving me but i think there's a lot to love about this record Ooh, so now I reach my final one, but I might do a sneaky review or something else at the end. Sorry, Josh. Um, I I listened to a behemoth of a record this month, a, 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 an actual fucking behemoth of a record. <sighs> Natural Snow Buildings, Daughter of Darkness. This thing is seven hours and twenty five minutes long when you include all of the tracks that are on apple music i i don't know if this is a different version or like because i've seen versions on youtube that are like six and a half hours but th this one was seven and a half hours long and i don't know what in fuck's name made me want to even slightly decide to touch this thing but i did i really did and uh i think it's it's great i think i have 
zero intentions of of going back and listening to much of it at the moment, but maybe individual tracks. You know, this is, this is built up of 18 tracks, of, uh, of which a lot of them pass the 20, 30, sometimes even 40 minute mark. You know, there are songs on here that are longer than entire albums that I've talked about on this episode. You know, and it, it's, it's an absolutely mad, mad album because somehow it manages to be beautiful and engaging with these absolutely noisy soundscapes that are like blend folk, ambient, drone like has like these sort of like african drums kind of mixed in at points like really really weird stuff going on like and somehow within these 18 tracks not a single track sounds the same not a single one of these 20 minute passages will sound even slightly similar like they they kind of link through theme and and it very much feels like a very very snowy album like very cold and wintry and but but something about this album is just like made me want to finish it like from the first track i was like oh, okay i really want to go on to the next track then the next track then the next track then the next track and despite the fact that when it would get onto that next track and i'd know i'd know that 40 minutes i'd have to go through for these tracks you know i'm used to long songs my favorite band is swans like i i love godspeed you black emperor like i'm used to listening to 30 minute tracks but those are 30 minute tracks that like progress from like point a to b to c to d and like as much as these do have progressions in it and you can really tell that like they do add in like elements throughout it these are kind of you know these big long drone pieces and it 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 sounds gorgeous and it's it's noisy it's eclectic it's in your face but it's there's something about it that kept bringing me back to finish this now obviously i'm not a madman didn't listen to this in one sitting i'd have to be fucking nuts and have all the time in the world which i do not have but you know i do a lot of work from home um because like because of my film job and listening to this whilst I was, like, doing call sheets or, like, typing up notes and stuff like that, like, this this was kind of great background music. It was engaging enough that you kind of, like, listen to it and you're just like, this thing's fucking crazy good. But it's also, like, there enough in the background that if you wanted to just do something, like, it kind of does just meld over your ears. It kind of reminds me, in a way, of, sort of, Tim Hecker, in the sense that it's, like, noisy, ambient, like, it's kind of, like, really, really in your face, but at the same time, it drones out and does its own thing. It, I can't necessarily recommend a seven-hour album to anyone, because no one's, no one in their right mind would, do that out of their own free will but i think if if you if you're if you're fancying at least listening to a few tracks i can certainly recommend a few to tra- to to check out but certainly if if you're interested in listening to a few tracks that might it might encourage you to then go on and listen to the rest of the album i can i can certainly name a few here so a few that did uh, the most for me i think was uh, carnal flowers is is a wonderful wonderful long piece i think devil's fork I remember sort of grabbing me by the balls. And uh, Santa Sangra parts one and two, you know, which probably make up more than 40 minutes. But yeah, absolutely incredible album. Not for everyone. Absolutely not for everyone. And I don't see myself returning to it anytime soon just because of its sheer length and my lack of time. And I like to listen to other albums. But 
for for sure one of the weirdest albums I've I've listened to in quite some time, and one of the most exhausting albums I have listened to in quite some time. Finally, I want to give a quick shout out. Uh, I've been recently listening to The Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails. I'm not going to do a full review because I've only been listening to it for like the past week or so, and I've only listened to it a couple of times. But boy, this thing is ageless it does not even slightly sound like it came out in 1994 you can see how many genres this thing influenced of like new metal and like industrial rap and so many things where like this would have influenced it but it's uh it's a, it's just a really really interesting album i i think a lot of the lyrics can be try hard and cringy and i know that they're all based around like depression and like sort of sexual frustration and everything like that but there are certain times where i'm just like nah, the lyrics the lyrics ain't doing much to me but it's more like the ambient passages that are absolutely gorgeous but then there's some nail biting like hard hitting industrial songs that just slap you in the face um, and I think my favorite track of it at the moment is, uh, is is Ruined, and it has these blaring synths in it that are just wonderful. I knew I liked uh, Nine Inch Nails because I listened to their album Bad Witch last year and adored it. I have it on vinyl, but like I just had never listened to anything else they did. And you know now I've gone back. It's 25 years old. Downward Spiral uh, doesn't seem to have aged a fucking day since then. So yeah, highly highly recommend. And that would be it from me uh, this week. Uh, five five albums, uh, kind of six, I guess. I'm sorry, guys. I just had to sneak that one in the end there. Uh, that I really, really wanted to talk about and uh, wanted to, you know, sort of make make mention of. Uh, I hope Josh doesn't have too bad of a time editing this down because I am just breaching over the 30-minute mark and I've been pausing in between to gather my thoughts and have a look at track lists. So, yeah. But catch you guys on the flip we'll be back very very soon with another rate or hate and a staff picks so do tune in have fun love music love yourselves good evening good morning good whatever your your day is love you all yeah!